guys, welcome to the Babbling Pastor Podcast. And you may ask, Michael, where's the music? And uh, my computer's messed up, so I can't play the music right now. So hold on. Here, you you, you, you do. Yeah. Welcome to the Babbling Pastor Podcast. The best podcast you should ever consider with the best sound effects. I'm Michael, and this is... I think that's better, actually. I might try to use that from here on out. <laughs> we just <laughs> lost every person who subscribed to the Babbling Pastor podcast and Honest Youth Pastor in one go. Yeah, they're just like, oh, we're done. We're done. You guys, you're you're telling me people donate money for this and this is the best you got? Yep. <laughs> this is the best we got, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, I tell you what, man. So give more. That's what he's saying. That's what he's telling you. Give more. If you plant the seed of faith, it will oh grow. Oh my God! <laughs> it'll grow from the soil of of, of ha- hope and happiness. Not really. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. Also, if you can, you hear know, you know, I know dogs. that you're. I I I can't. I'm okay, sure good. Can't. good. It's it's okay. Yeah. Um. I I I know that. Um. Your your button thingy, my bobber, isn't working right now. Uh, so you can't play like the little clips and things like that. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, if you could like isolate a couple of great Kenneth Copeland moments, that would be awesome. <laughs> and thank God. That's that's the closest I got. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, Even though he's never given glory to the real God once <laughs> in his life, I think. Did you know that he has like a couple gospel albums like he's a singer like he can really sing did you know that i i didn't know that no yeah he does he, uh, hold on hold on real fast because uh, i can't like push my button thingy mega bobber but um hold on uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh gospel music all right so hold on hold on real quick when he was at bethel he actually like he like guest spoke at Bethel, which should really tell you a lot about Bethel. But um, the point is that he, okay, so this right here, this is a Kenneth Copeland singing gospel music. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit just so I don't have to listen to the intro. He's Jesus to me, eternal deity. He's got a nice voice, really. I mean, if you're really thinking about it. Anyway, so. Yeah, he's gonna need a nice voice that repents. Um, yeah, yeah. Sooner rather than later. What is he like? One hundred and fourteen, something it's like that. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I don't, I don't, does anybody really know his birthday? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Demonic possession ages you. So <laughs> he's really fourteen. He's just a really old-looking fourteen-year-old. So uh, we're not talking about Kenneth Copeland today, guys. We're actually talking about. Um, there's a clip that came out. By the time this episode airs, it'll be old news because how the internet works. But I wanted to address more of the question than the clip. So um, I've I've heard this clip through once. I honestly forget the details of the clip because I listened to it yesterday as I was driving. So I wasn't really focusing on it. Rob's not heard it at all. But we're going to play it for you. So it's, you're not going to see the clip because, again, my button knobber thingy ain't working. But I can play the audio. It's about 2 minutes and 20 seconds uh, long. And it's from um, Pastor Andy Wood which is now the pastor of Saddleback Church. He took over for Rick Warren. Um, This is, from my understanding, from a few years ago. I have no clue how old it is. But he was was online and answering questions from people that were sending questions in. 
So the voice you're going to hear is his wife initially reading the question, and then he's going to talk about it. Um, so I, I won't give too much more context than that because basically they give the context in the clip. And then what I really want to use this episode talking about is answering the question that Andy was asked in this clip. So here we go. I saw one on divorce. Can I take that one? Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This says, um, this is from Erica. It says, I have gay friends who came to Jesus after they were married and adopted children. God hates divorce. How would you approach the situation? Mm hmm. I don't know. It's really hard. Yeah. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a black and white answer. And I think I would sit with them in it mm. and I would pray with them and I would try to, wrestle through that decision. And I think it's such a life. Um, it is such a massive, massive decision that I would probably say, read the Bible, ask the Holy spirit to lead you. And, um, I will journey with you with it, with it in it. And as you journey through it with them, I would have an ongoing conversation mm. to ask them how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding them. I think is how I would handle it. Cause I don't, I don't know there, there are, okay. You know, Lori and Jason, our, our friends are on the line. They, they were missionaries in overseas and they would see people come to faith who had um, in polygamous cultures and they had five spouses. And so what do they do? Do they divorce four of the spouses and keep one of them? Or um, I don't, I don't know. So I think read the Bible pray, ask the Holy Spirit to speak. That would be my encouragement and then journey with them through it. Yeah. I think that people that draw hard, strong lines um, and it, it gets really difficult. It, it doesn't take into account how complicated um, the individual situation can be. And yeah. I think that it has to be navigated with nuance and a lot of wisdom and grace. Yeah. And I, I think that part of, part of what the enemy does in our minds is that there, there are some situations that are black and white and there are some that are gray. And I think that situations that are more black and white call for a decision and situations that are more gray call for more discernment, prayer and scripture. I mean, pr processing and talking through it. So that was the whole clip. Now it goes on to some other, uh, apparently I haven't watched the second one. That's a minute and 30, but it talks about, would he perform a same sex wedding? He says no. And then would he attend a same sex wedding? And he says, yes, if he was invited, apparently that's the, the context that the person gives the post of the clip, but that's not what we're talking about today. More about the first question of as pastors, as them specifically being asked that question, what would their advice be on that? So I'm curious because I mean, I know what my answer would be. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I know what your answer would be, but let's talk through it for a little bit. So somebody comes to you, comes to your church, right? They visit, God does a miraculous work in their life, saves them. Um, they understand that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God, uh, that he died in place. You know, he, he died in their place for their sins, rose and defeated sin and death. Wow. Now, how do I handle everything I am, have been involved up into this point? So, uh, and, and to be legit, this is a real pastoral question. Like this isn't some, Oh, well, what happens? Like, this is a thing that people are asking, especially in, yeah. in, in cultures and situations where that we're currently in, where it's just super accepted that this thing is a thing. So what do you think, well, Robert? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it is, it is a real question because 
even the context of that clip is that this is a, a real question with someone who has real friends who are going through this situation. Um, so let me first say before before I jump to the thing that's going to make me a bigot. Um, let let me first say that those kinds of things are complicated in the sense that there there are emotions. It, it, the thing that extremely uh, complicates it is that in this scenario they've adopted children. Um, if if it were just um, those two. If it were just that relationship and no children involved, uh, the answer is actually really easy. Painful for them, I'm sure, but easy, biblically. Um, the 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 kids complicate it, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so uh, th that is a that is a caveat. Uh, that is a thing that that has to be taken into account. Is uh, that that is a complicated situation. However, um, so recently the legislature in the United States of America on, on both sides of the aisle that fight for a living, um, they, uh, have, I'll just say frivolously and, um, unlawfully redefined marriage. Um, uh, to the point that at some point, um, I'm not going to be surprised if I am faced with this and get in trouble. <laughs> um, but here's the very bottom line of all of that. Um, So-called gay marriage is not marriage. Um, you can... You can um, look at the laws in America. Now you can look at the laws in many States. Um, and you can say, well, uh, but Rob, um, it is as defined by the government. Um, well, yes, as defined by the government who is not allowed to change the definitions that, um, yeah, of something like that, which God, God is the one who has ordained that God is the one who, uh, who uh, created Adam and Eve perfectly to complement one another and and uh, to do life together, man and woman. He's the one that developed the institution of marriage. He's the one that um, uh, that defines it and the only one with any sort of authority to redefine it, which he never will because he never changes. Okay, so the 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 bottom line of this particular situation is that they're not married. As far as as far as the scriptures are concerned and God is concerned, they are not married. As far as the state is concerned, they should they should absolutely divorce because that's not a marriage. So whatever uh, legal situation they might be in, they need to get rid of that on paper. Um, that's not a legitimate divorce biblically because they're not married biblically. It's not a legitimate marriage. There there some people tongue in cheek kind of call it gay mirage or same-sex mirage, because that's really what it is. I've never heard that it, before, but yeah. It's not real. It's not, a, it's not a real biblical marriage in the first place. Um, so as far as that marital relationship, um, that's, that's not even, that's a facade. It's an imaginative situation. It's, it's not, uh, biblically binding. Um, 
you've been living in sin, which you're acknowledging now, right? It doesn't make it doesn't make the the situation easy to go through. How how painful is it for any of us to kill our sin? It's it's painful for me, and I've been a Christian over like thirty years, <laughs> and it's been painful, um, and it's still painful uh, because we love our sin. Um, we've grown accustomed to it, but. So in that sense, getting a divorce um, on paper, as far as the government or is concerned, is not unbiblical. In fact, um, it's more biblical <laughs> than um, than what you're uh, a part of right now. Now, the children part, um, that would be the thing that you would need to sit with them in. Because legally, those children belong to them. I don't know what that part looks like legally, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and you're not necessarily in a position uh, to just uh, arbitrarily hand them over to the state, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. Um, However, I know in any sort of let's just let's just take this particular sin and broaden it to include whatever sin, right? Uh, adultery between a man and a woman, or whatever, uh, something else that ends badly, ends in divorce, or or something like that. Um, what would be the good thing to do in that situation? Um, well, probably probably one thing would be that one or the other of them should be the adopted parent, not both, because they're not married in real life. Um, but that's, this is not something that I've thought through. Okay. But it just seems to me that, that, um, that both of these parents being the adoptive parents is another area legally in which it's, it's, um, it's, it's saying, uh, it's giving, um, giving weight to, uh, a marriage that isn't really marriage. Um, so maybe in that sense, maybe that's another area that needs to be divorced <laughs> so that, so that what you're teaching those children now as Christians is that, that's, that, you know, our sin hurts, our sin hurts us and it hurts other people around us. But, but the way, the way to make that right after God miraculously changes your heart and gives you a heart of flesh where there was once a heart of stone is to begin to be obedient to the scriptures, no matter what, no matter how difficult that might be, no matter how ugly it might be. Um, because, uh, it's one day, uh, that's all going to be over. The hurt is going to be gone. Even if it lasts your entire life here on earth, it's going to be over. We're going to give an account and we're going to spend eternity with Christ. And this won't hurt anymore. Um, and one of the uh, one of the things that I would tell any parent is that the the most important thing that you could do ever um, is is to repent in front of your children, for them to see you humble, not perfect, and and confessing your sin before God and before them, and um, so. I, I, I don't, I would have to probably walk through, um, that second part, the, the children part, um, personally to, so I'm going to, I'm going to actually, um, 
it probably sounds like I'm going to have to agree with him in some of in some respect when it comes to the children part, because that's not as easy. But it would seem, though, that that even uh, both uh, parents being the adopted parents, uh, both of them being the, the ones to whom the world has given custody because they're married um according to the world they're not actually married and so that's just another document that needs to show that that's not a real thing um i don't know what that looks like or how how ugly or difficult that is but that would be my first take yeah well and i think your point there at the end is good i mean because it really demonstrates the reality of the fact that there are consequences not little ones but huge ones to sin and um I think that's one of the things, I mean, so, I mean, I've heard a few stories. I'm sure this isn't just an isolated incident, but where like people do terrible. Actually, you may have told me a story similar to this, but people do like terrible things. They get saved and then they're like, man, I got away with that, but I really do need to face the consequences of that. And then therefore they like turn themselves in to the police or something to rectify that situation now that they're saved, even though technically they got away with it, but they know that there are still consequences for sin, even though they're saved. And so... Um, I think in a similar way, this this demonstrates the fact that, one, when you let... So not to dog on him for the second point the, for the clip I haven't watched, but let's assume the su summary is right and he would attend a gay wedding if he was invited. I think that's that's just... You're just... You're, you're leaning into the problem. The mm -hmm. fact that you're, you're going is saying that I accept what's happening in front of me. And which I know that later on, if these people were to be saved, that this whole thing, there's a lot of mess that comes along with this. And so this question is, is I think, a great demonstration of how messy sin is and how it absolutely destroys lives. Because like you said, with the kids' situation involved, there's a whole other aspect of this that is now a whole other either person or groups of people that their whole lives are now turned upside down because sin was accepted at one point and now it's just rolling downhill and affecting a lot more people than just the initial people yeah. that did it. And so I, I in total agreement with you. If it's, if it's just these two people and there's no children involved, clearly I think the line is clear. There is a divorce that needs to happen. Now, again, like you said, there's a lot of emotions that are, in this, there's a there are relational aspects that um, that are that have to be dealt with in a biblical way. That I mean, again, they those lenses weren't there before, and just because you're now saved doesn't mean all of that emotion just goes away. Um, you have to work through that in in a in a sanctifying biblical way uh, to really work through that with people. Um, that's the same thing I think even with you're talking about all sorts of sins, alcoholism, adultery. Um, uh, the theft, uh, gossip, all these things, just because one gets saved, they now recognize their sin doesn't mean they're not still tempted with that sin. And so, uh, not necessarily. I mean, some people are freed immediately, some aren't. But the idea being that there is a lot of walking through, like he said, with people, but to not come down and say, no, I, there obviously has to be a separation of these people in regards to the relationship they were once operating in is not now the relationship they continue operating in. Um mm -hmm. And so that's pretty cut and dry. I don't think that's a real gray area. Again, you are going to have to, there is a lot of being with them as the body of Christ to walk through all of, again, yep. the just, yep. just the mess that sin makes. Um, so in, in regards to his wife being like, well, it's not just a cut and dry. 
in that respect, it's not cut and dry. The answer is cut and dry. This isn't a relationship that needs to continue. It needs to end. But the aftermath of that is going to be yep. incredibly complicated. So in that aspect, yes, you're going to have to walk with and through that. Um, but it's not a question of, well, should you or should you not? You should definitely. But the the, the messiness of that after. I'm with you on the kids thing. Like that... Um, Man, there's going to be so many different aspects of that. I mean, just thinking about yep. uh, divorce and how that affects kids in a in a in a in a in a biblical marriage, uh, where it's a man and woman coming together, and the, the just the devastating effects that has, depending on what age those kids are, is messy just by itself. Uh, and yep. then doing placing the dynamic of the same sex relationship and how the Bible deals with that on top of them is just a whole nother thing. Um, I don't know the legalities either, but even not knowing the legalities of it, I think that a Christian people, so this, this couple that has been together in a homosexual relationship now becomes Christian now really have honestly a very difficult task because now they have to work through the aftermath of all of this connection they've had before, knowing that they yep. cannot continue in that while at the same time trying to understand what's just happened to them in their justification. Yeah. <laughs> while on top of that, explaining to these children that they've, they've, they've brought into a relationship and told this is normal, but now have to turn that on their head and say, well, this isn't anymore. And now we're going to have to teach you a whole different thing. Like there's a lot of mess here. And I can't overemphasize yep. just how much sin destroys things, which is why I wanted to begin with, if you attend a same-sex wedding because you're invited and you just want to be supportive, you're just you're just supporting all of this mess that comes after. You're like you're making more problems for these people than you need to make for them. And um, man, so you're you're trying to work through your justification. You're trying to work through all these emotions. You're trying to work through how am I going to help these kids out uh, and help them understand this? Who's going to take them? Because I, I'm going to say in this in this what was whatever this relationship was, both of these individuals probably do care for these children. So how do we work this out then? And so that's where the church, I think, really needs to be the church and does need to be clear on this isn't a marriage and this cannot continue, but at the same time, come alongside and around these individuals and work through that mess. And that's where the church, I think, one, we're, we're depending on the church you're at, that's maybe a dynamic that doesn't even exist already. So that's a problem. But secondly, it's a dynamic that we're not used to having to deal with that to be frank, the way the way we see culture heading, we're going to have to address this question a whole lot more in the coming years, because guess what? God's going to keep saving people. And if our culture keeps progressing, as you've already mentioned, Rob, that's just fully accepted of LGBTQ plus relationships, God's going to be saving people out of those relationships. And if, and if we're not processing through this question, we're going to be totally caught off guard by how we even answer this. Because God's going to mm. keep saving. That's not the issue. <laughs> Are we prepared to disciple people through these incredibly messy outcomes that come after that um, and to mm -hmm. help and guide them through this well? Um, because believe me, there's a lot of people that are affirming that are more than happy to help guide them through situations to, to help yep. them stay in it. So 
Um, one, I don't, I don't think him and his wife's answer was very helpful. Uh, I do get where they're, I do get where they're coming from in regards to wanting to be compassionate and wanting to walk with them. But that doesn't require you to be gray in your answer to, do you need to divorce? Of course you do. But how you deal with that afterwards, how you walk with people that I think is the really, um, yeah really hard time so yeah yeah and and to to be clear um like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on wood just for a second um i don't know much about him uh i've i've seen um i've seen the the video uh in which um uh, good grief. Purpose driven life. Rick Warren. I've seen the video in which Rick Warren is, has them next to him, he and his wife, and they're talking about the, you know, I don't know, uh, the transition and that kind of thing. So I've seen that video. That's pretty much all that I have seen with him in it. However, um, this is going to get probably other comments, but it is relevant, uh, to the situation. Andy, so even on the Saddleback website, I went on there while we were during this episode and, um, and it begins like, uh, it begins like this in their, uh, leadership, you know, about their leadership thing. He's, uh, his picture is up there, um, as lead pastor, Andy Wood, it says, but then it says, uh, under that pastors, Andy and Stacy Wood started their ministry in California. And, um, so that, that in and of itself, um, tells me that he doesn't have a, a good, solid biblical understanding of the roles of men and women. And, and so that, that is gonna, <laughs> to me, that's pretty basic. Um, and that actually wasn't even a big fight, uh, in the church until, recent feminism things. Um, and so uh, the, the roles of men and women in the church, uh, play directly into the, what, well, the roles of men and women in marriage, uh, the roles of men and women in general. Um, and so with that being a confusion, uh, with the, the wood family, um, I, I could, I could see how, like, if I, if I knew someone in this situation, I absolutely wouldn't send them there, um, to, to get counsel. You, you probably would get empathy and all of the things that, um, you know, that he seems to naturally, he would be good at, but, um, but what you're not going to get is solid thought through, um, uh, unashamed biblical counsel, uh, no matter the circumstances. Um, the reason that I, I feel that the reason that I can't give a super clear, quick answer about the adopted children part of this question is not because the scriptures don't speak to it. It's because one, I don't really understand or know the adoption process. Um, every situation is probably going to be a little bit different in that, um, if, if these are kids that were just adopted and they're like infants, <laughs> or something like that, then, then, then my counsel would probably be as painful as it is. You have a lot to work through 
and you need to find a Christian adoption agency and get them in a different Christian home um, that is already stable um, and and maybe visit you know afterward and, and tell them your gospel story um, someday. But if I mean, obviously, if the kids are 12 and 13 or something like that, now we're in a different situation in which they probably it's probably going to be good for them to see you walk through this pain and this struggle and see the the pain that sin causes and all those sorts of things. So um, and and giving giving them up at that point would just be abandonment in their eyes and that sort of thing would would happen. But um, so even how that would play out would be situational in that respect, I think. Um, but the, I'm, I'm amazed at the inability, uh, among pastors and church, um, uh, people in leadership roles in evangelicalism, the, the inability of them to just say what the Bible freaking says. <laughs> um, and, and you can, you can do that in a way that's not like, that's not like a, a, a gut punch to people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I, I, to some people, no matter what, they're going to be offended when I say that, that, um, the state's definition of marriage is now illegitimate because the Bible is what defines marriage. Um, but to the Christian, that should just be how we think mm -hmm. <laughs> that the Bible is the definition for everything. And that's the bottom line. And so where the state disagrees with the scriptures, the state is stinking wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's just that. That doesn't mean that I have to be unloving or a jerk or say it without tact or whatever else. Of course, we're called to do that. And of course, these are new Christians. So they, they don't need us to be like, well, how could you? They were sinners. They were blind as a bat before that, right? Mm -hmm. Now they've come to light. They've come to see Christ and submit to him. And their question, it seems to me, is, oh, my gosh, how do we submit? How, yeah. how we, we want to. We want to submit to him, but how do I do that properly? And so you can't do that by questions and not getting to the scriptures, because that's where we learn everything that we need to know as Christians about life and godliness. Yeah. Well, one thing before we end the episode, the one thing I did want to discuss, because I'm sure it'll probably come up in the comments if we don't talk about it, but um, he does mention part of it is his advice to them would be to um, read the scriptures and to follow the Spirit's leading. And then he'd follow up with the whole follow the Spirit's leading. Um, two, two things here. To your point, the first thing is, like, you know what the scriptures say as a pastor, so just point there. And secondly, the script, the spirit's not going to say something that the scriptures don't already state. It's not like the spirit's going to tell you to stay in the relationship when the scriptures clearly say that relationship isn't a relationship that should be pursued. Um, so I think you're, you, you, you may be giving some, if you give the advice that he gave, you're giving un, I think some unhelpful advice, especially to new believers that are like the spirit, what's the spirit? How do I listen to the spirit? Like, um, <laughs> The, yeah. they, they're just not familiar with it. And I think to your point, the good thing is that they're asking the question then, because they clearly understand that something's not right here. How do I handle this? If they thought it was right, they wouldn't even answer the question. They wouldn't even ask the question. Um, to your point as well, in the, um, the just say what the Bible says part, it's amazing to me that we cannot, uh, as believers, answer the polygamy question 
straight out. Like the example he gives, he goes, you know, we have missionaries that are in other countries that are in polygamous, uh, that, that accept polygamy. And when people come to Christ, what are they supposed to tell them? Do you divorce all five spouses? Uh, what does the Bible say about marriage, bro? Like, so just because you had polygamy in the Old Testament, we have a... We did a whole live stream on this on a Tuesday night where we walked through like all mm. of the the definitions of marriage as we've seen them that most unbelievers will go, well, there's no biblical marriage because look at this and give a whole bunch of Old Testament references and working through the context of those and what that looks like. So first of all, the Bible does not contone polygamy. Secondly, when you're in a country and people do, thank God, come to know Christ uh, and they've been in polygamous relationships, you should, as a pastor, be able to instruct them in the proper way to handle that now. So yes, you you do exit that polygamous marriage. I'm not saying you're like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I'm just saying the best thing to probably do is to, yes, end that re those relationships as a marriage, because again, not the right thing to pursue. On Rob's point about abandonment, it's not like you're just like, well, good luck, guys. Hope you can take care of yourselves. You obviously, as a Christian, are like, all right, how can I help you? How can I provide for you until you can get on your feet? Like, there are ways to do this that aren't just, well, I'm a believer now, so I treat you like crap. Other, It's just like, okay, well, this part of this, how this relationship worked, that's done. So we're, we're not in a relationship like that anymore. Again, the church has to be prepared to come around people and help them work through that. If you think that somebody that's been in a polygamous marriage for a decade isn't doesn't have some sort of emotional connection to each of these individuals, you're dumb as a rock. You're going to have to work with them through this and what that means and what that looks like and the proper way to pursue. There's like there's I cannot emphasize enough how much mess comes with sin. Yeah. And the reality that the church is supposed to be equipped as a body of believers as a family to help each other and walk through this mess with each other because it's going to be overwhelming for them and they're not going to be able to do it. Um, and so with those, one, as pastors, we should be able to give clear answers about what marriage is and what marriage isn't and how you should respond to this. But also on Andy's end that I would agree with, be compassionate and walk with them through that terribly messy situation. And this is where it's not just the pastor's job. You think Andy, as a pastor of a church, is going to be able to walk with everybody through every messy situation they have? No way. He doesn't have enough time to do that with one person, probably, let alone the entire congregation. And this is where equipping believers to be family and to be brothers and sisters with other believers, to walk with them through those messy situations. This is, again, um, I forget the context, or not the context, the verse reference, but this is where confessing our sins to each other comes for and praying for one another and being there for one another. This isn't some high lofty, well, the bishop or the pastor does this. This is, you're a Christian, bro. <laughs> like, like you have a mess, mm -hmm. they have a mess. You both know Jesus. Walk with each other through that, using the scripture as your guide and the Holy Spirit at prompting you to you know where to look in scripture yeah. to, to know what these lines and boundaries are, because they are there. I know his wife was like, well, you know, you can't make hard, fast boundaries. There are hard, fast lines. Know where those are, though. And don't be a butthead when applying them. Be gracious and merciful, but still point to them. Uh, and I think this is where that video really lacks that. Um, I could go on a whole nother tangent about attending a gay wedding. But the point being that um, you should be <laughs> able to give clear, discernible boundaries of what a believer should and should not do, while also be compassionate being compassionate with people as you walk through their sin with them. So or the ramifications of their sin. Yeah. First of all, two things 
to end. I, I, uh, um, I think if, if you are, um, good to go to attend a gay wedding that you've been invited to, you might as well be good to go to, to uh, officiate one because either way it's not, it's, this isn't a principle that's always true. Um, in the sense that, uh, so like uh, Justin Peters uh, is a, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. Just look the name up. Justin Peters is a um, uh, preacher, that guy uh, who uh, goes around and talks about the the um, prosperity gospel, essentially, um, and different. That's what he's known for, anyway. He does different things, but um, uh, so he might attend a Kenneth Copeland rally, okay, or Benny Hinn event. It would not be because he's in agreement with Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland, it would be for research so that he knows. So, um, but that's not the same thing as a wedding, right? If you, you attend a wedding because you, let, let me say it this way. I wouldn't attend a wedding by my conscience between someone who is clearly a Christian and someone who is clearly not because that's just as illegitimate as far as the scriptures are concerned. It's just as much sinful as far as the scriptures are concerned as anything else. Um, but to the, to the second point about, uh, um, I think that that's very dangerous what he said that you brought up about um, following the Spirit's leading. <laughs> that sounds really crazy to say as a pastor, um, but uh, what, what we, you brought the point up and I just want to put an exclamation point on it because, um, so second Peter two, 20 and 21, uh, says this, know this first of all, he, and Peter's talking about them being eyewitnesses. Um, he says, know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men being moved by the Holy spirit spoke from God. That is not something that still happens. That is Peter describing their, uh, their unique apostleship experience as they were writing the New Testament, <laughs> essentially, right? Um, that they spoke directly from God. And it's the same scenario as, as like Isaiah or someone in the Old Testament who spoke the words directly from the mouth of God. It was as if God himself was saying the words because he was. The Holy Spirit this this is um this book in front of me is is you want to follow the holy spirit's leading follow the stuff in the book <laughs> follow the scriptures because this is the word of the holy spirit um the word of god the word of christ that's what this is and so um i think we get really dangerous and in a in an area that we can kind of um make things seem or say whatever we want and it's how we get into this well i think it means this or i think it means that kind of world and this is the world that we live in now and it's a terrible world to live in um it's it's not it's not according to the scriptures this doesn't still happen so to quote the same justin peters if you want to uh hear god speak read the bible if you want to hear him speak out loud read it out loud <laughs> Good to go. All right, man. So hopefully that that this one was, I know this wasn't a question to fall in line with the rest of the questions, but I thought it was something interesting to discuss because to be, to be real, that it's going to be something that comes up a lot. And I think not just as pastors, but as believers, it's going to be something that um, it's going to be a question, I would say within the next 10 years or so, or maybe shorter, uh, you're going to have to ask, or you're going to get asked and 
you know, an answer, give an answer for, especially if they know you're a believer. What do you think you should do? My pastor said this. What do you think? And so um, just thinking through it well, because clearly in that clip, Andy had not thought through it. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that being prepared to give an answer for why you believe what you believe uh, is, is super important here. So if that was helpful, if you agree or disagree, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, share the video, and we'll talk to you next month. See ya. Bye. We'll do some outro music. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, bye. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs>